Minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
J.M. in the A.M. Simcha Liner. That's called Mehera. Before that, Miami with their version of Mehera. Moshe Hecht and Master of the World. Ari Goldwag had Menucha Simcha. Shalom Aleichem done by Regesh. And, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up as we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos on this May 15th, day 26 in the month of ER, the year 5775, and Hay. It's day 41 in the counting of the Omer. What is that? Five weeks and six days. Day 41 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Bahar, and Bechukosai in Israel. It will only be Parshas Bechukosai uh, this week. And the candle lighting time at 7.46, officially 7.46 on this Erev Shabbos. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Well, Bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Tuesday. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be Tuesday. It'll start Monday night right after Yom Yerushalayim and Yom Chevron, which we'll commemorate, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. 55 degrees outside with 68% humidity. Winds of southwest at 7 miles per hour. Partly cloudy with a high temperature of 75. Then tonight, showers late, a low 61 degrees. Tomorrow, some morning rain with a high temperature of 82. We're at the 71 and sunny weather in Yerushalayim, 55 here in Jersey City, as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Well, Sunday is Yom Yerushalayim. Matas will present a Yom Yerushalayim special during JM Sunday, and that happens this coming Sunday morning between 7 and 9 Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. Mayor Weingarten will be participating in the Yom Yerushalayim special online. So um, with both Matas and Mayor, it'll be a wonderful and a high-quality Yom Yerushalayim celebration. Yom Chevron on Monday. We'll celebrate both Jerusalem and Chevron on Monday here at JM in the AM. And Mayor Weingarten will join me. Uh, Harav Yosef Tzvi Rimon is going to be in from the Gush. He'll be joining us as well from Israel. He's being honored at the One Israel Fund Dinner on uh, Monday night. So he'll join us in hour number three. And also in hour number three, Mayor Weingarten will play the sounds of 1967. Um, Monday morning in the 8 o'clock hour. That's always a major hit. An incredibly uh, inspiring segment every single year. So we'll do that on Monday. Uh, Malcolm Holine will join us about an hour from now. The weekly update is set to begin about 7.40 this morning here at JM in the AM. We'll talk about the events of this week. Um... Rabbi Yudin with the Torah portion of the week coming up. Naomi Nachman at 9 o'clock with a brand new edition of Table for Two. Our incredible presentation of Kedem's uh, Erev Shabbos music mix coming up uh, until candle lighting time. There's a lot going on on jmnam.org and the NSN app all through the day. And we recommend that you tune in and enjoy. Hey, why not? A lot of great stuff that we're presenting here every single day, including on an Erev Shabbos, especially, I should say, on an Erev Shabbos. 23 minutes before 7 o'clock, it's JM in the AM as we continue at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. And around the world on the web, jmintheam.org.
Cantor Simon Cohen with Mim Komcha here at JM and the AM. Well, here's the question. If someone asks you to play Me'al Piskat Harhat Sofim from Cantor David Kosovitsky, and you can't find the song, and you're searching constantly, and it doesn't come up, the Moshe Kosovitsky Me'al Piskat Harhat Sofim comes up. But not the David Kosovitsky Malpis got hearts of him. Would it be okay to play Cantor David Kosovitsky and the Rabbana Shalom from Sviras HaOmer instead? That is the question. I guess we'll find out the answer once we play it. Here is Chazen David Kosovitsky at JM in the AM. <laughs> Shabbos <laughs> Hashem. 
great cantor David Kosovitsky with Ribona Shul Olam from the Sfira Saomer. Friday morning, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmdm.org. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Bahar and Buchu Kosai, just Buchu Kosai in Israel, candle lighting at 746 on this Erev Shabbos. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Galitzal coming up with our news from Israel. Bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Tuesday. And Sunday we have our Yom Yerushalayim special with Matis and Mayor Weingarten on JM Sunday. 7 a.m. Eastern Time, and then Monday it's a Yom Chevron and Yom Yerushalayim together as we celebrate in studio here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Yosef Tzvi Rimon is going to be joining us in studio on Monday morning. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JM in the AM. Galei Tzal, Kan Shibel Karmi Mansur. And it looks like, again, for some reason, which we still haven't been able to figure out, and I apologize, we have lost our connection to our news from Israel. My apologies. More coming up. This is JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. David Dardashti with Shalom Aleichem. Eitan Katz before that. You heard Mim Komcha opening up the hour with Shrebel Sharf and Levine. 17 minutes after 7 o'clock in the morning. It's Friday. J.M. in the A.M. 41 to... Uh, you never know where your eyes are going to go uh, when you're reading your information here. I was going to say 41 degrees. It's 41 the day in the counting of the Omer. It's 41. It's 55 degrees. <laughs> Day 41 in the counting of the Omer, five weeks and six days. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Candlelighting, 746, Erev Shabbos. Many synagogues begin earlier. Uh, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh will be Tuesday. I want to again remind everybody that uh, we have our Yom Yerushalayim special with Matis and Mayor Weingarten coming up on Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern time on the stream at jmnam.org. That's the JM Sunday Yom Yerushalayim presentation. Uh, Monday, we'll be here in studio, Mayor Weingarten and myself, plus we'll be joined by Yosef Tzvi Rimon from Israel. We'll celebrate Yom Yerushalayim and Yom Chevron. We'll make sure to have the uh, sounds of 1967 in our program during the 8 o'clock hour. So make sure to be tuned in. That's Monday right here at JM in the AM for the big special for those two amazing days. And the following week is Shavuos, believe it or not. Yeah. A week from tomorrow night is Shavuos. And then the next week is the Celebrate Israel Parade, which is always an amazing day in New York City. So we have a lot of great stuff coming up. And uh, we are going to have an even bigger and better parade show uh, this year coming up from Fifth Avenue. So we are looking forward to uh, an amazing day on, I believe it's May 31st, that Sunday. The day of the Celebrate Israel Parade. JM in the AM, Friday morning. Here's Sandy Shmueli.
אחר שלום, מלאך עליון, ממלך מלכם, להכין הקדוש ברוך
J.M. in the A.M. Your Achmiel Begun, Miami Boys Choir. Nice selection. Tzor Yisrael off of the Ut Ut CD. Uh, their most recent release. Moshav Band had Seischem L'Shalom. You heard the Sandy Shmueli with Sim Shalom in there. Friday morning, J.M. in the A.M. on this Erev Shabbos. Bahar B'chukosai. We will close out the book of Vayikra. They'll do the same in Israel, but just with Parshas B'chukosai. As we'll finally be... Uh, caught up, so to speak, to the public Torah reading in Israel. Day 41 in the counting of the Omer. Forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Candle lighting at 746. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Rosh Chodesh is Tuesday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Sivan tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh is Tuesday. Keep that in mind. We keep telling you about the big Yom Yushalayim Yom Chevron plans here at JM in the AM. Matis and Mayor Weingarten. Sunday on JM Sunday with the Yom Yushalayim special. Sunday is Yom Yushalayim. And then Monday, myself, Mayor Weingarten, special guest by Yosef Tzvi Rimon, will be together as we celebrate both Yom Yushalayim and Yom Chevron. In the 8 o'clock hour, Mayor will play for us the Sounds of 1967, which has become such a popular segment each year. So that'll all be coming up uh, Sunday and Monday. Make sure to be tuned in. Great programming on our stream and on the radio in celebration of uh, Yom Yushalayim and Yom Chevron. On Sunday, Yom Yushalayim, there'll be a tefillah at the Mizrahi 249 East Broadway on the Lower East Side of Manhattan uh, with Hallel. That'll be uh, Sunday morning starting at 8 o'clock. So um, those of you in the area, make sure to stop by. Come by for a beautiful Shacharis this coming Sunday. That'll be uh, 8 o'clock in the morning for Yom Yerushalayim. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us for the weekly update coming up just about uh, 5, 10 minutes from now in that area. Rabbi Yudin, of course, Torah portion of the week later on, and plenty more if you keep it here at JM in the AM.
That's Simcholi Artsachas from the Nigun Project, as it's called. Before that, Michal Schnitzler with his version of uh, Simcholi Artsacha here at JMNAM. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, May 15th, the 26th of ER. Big thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, who, as we always say, continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible JMNAM live stream to all their readers. If you want to print out before Shabbos about, uh, I don't know, thousands of articles <laughs> having to do with... Uh, Israel and the Jewish world, and much, much more. You can check out jewishworldview.com, and we thank them. Day 41 in the counting of the Omer. That's uh, five weeks and six days. Forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Bahar, and Bechukosai. We catch up with Israel today, or tomorrow, I should say. We'll both close out the Book of Vayikra, but in Israel, only one Parsha, Bechukosai. Candle lighting 746. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Tuesday. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Tuesday. As we get closer and closer to the holiday of Shavuot. Speaking of close, we're very close to Yom Yerushalayim and Yom Chevron. Yom Yerushalayim begins tomorrow night. Sunday, Matis will do a special Yom Yerushalayim program during JM Sunday on jmtheam.org, which starts at 7 o'clock in the morning, so make sure to be tuned in. Mayor Weingarten will join Matis for that. Uh, at different points, or at some point during the show, I should say. Monday, we have our, our Yom Yushalayim Yom Chevron special. Mayor Weingarten will be with me in studio, and Rabbi Yosef Tzvi Rimon is going to be here in hour number three from Israel. He's being honored Monday night at the One Israel Fun Dinner. He's the founder of Jab Katif, and an amazing rabbi, and we'll have him here in studio at JM in the AM uh, during hour number three. And also... The Sounds of 1967, which is such a big hit each year when Mayor Weingarten presents them uh, during our Yom Yushalayim special. We will have that for you in the 8 o'clock hour on Monday right here at JM in the AM. Uh, Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays here at JM in the AM for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Morning, good to be with you. And I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to discuss this as we get closer. But but I just want to toss in a word because I'd like people to get it on their calendar. The 31st of May is the Celebrate Israel Parade in Manhattan. And although some people uh, roll their eyes or raise their eyebrows or have other reactions when it comes to uh, supporting Israel by marching in a parade or being there on Fifth Avenue, uh, you and I have agreed over the years that it is an incredible show of support and something that gets tremendous attention both nationally and internationally and anybody who has an opportunity to come with their family should certainly do so absolutely it's uh, it's not just what you do for yourself and for your family and our friends by coming and i do believe that there is a benefit to everybody it's a chance to recharge and to to, to take a few minutes and or a couple of hours to commit to Israel, because it's the world is watching. It's their measure of how many people come that determines the degree to which perhaps they will support Israel, and we face many serious challenges ahead. So this is a especially important year for people to be there. Yeah, and uh, we alluded to this last week. Maybe we even said it more directly, but people are always asking what they can do, and they're curious about talking about it, but often we don't go and act on it. Here's an opportunity 
to act on it. By the way, I don't know if you heard, but and, and I don't have confirmation on this because I haven't spoken to the heads of the organization, but apparently, according to my reports and research, over 1,400 people on the NORPAC mission this week, which is amazing, people taking an entire day to go to Washington to play a role. You know the importance of it. You always tell us about how how vital it is for it's regular, regular folks to get involved, and sure enough, so many people did. So kolak avod to everybody who was in Washington this week. Absolutely. It's very important to show the flag, and NORPAC does a great job throughout the year and on this uh, Washington mission, and people should follow it up by keeping in touch with members of Congress, those who went on this mission or didn't, contact your member, tell them what your concerns are. They're waiting to hear, and if they don't hear, then they assume you don't care. What is Malcolm Holmline's reaction to the Vatican's recognition of the state of Palestine? Well, this is not really their first uh, act of recognition. In 2012, after the United Nations granted uh, non-member observer status to the PA, uh, the Vatican at that time already issued a statement indicating support or, or, or recognition. The difference here is that this was part of an agreement between them, and that gives it, I think, an additional official status of some kind. And the uh, the Vatican is downplaying its significance, saying that this is just the normal course and it's not a really a, any major shift. But it is part of Abbas's plan and that is to get as many countries or entities to recognize the Palestinian state without him having to negotiate, without him having to face Israel and have to talk about concessions on their part and talk about the serious issues that both sides uh, will have to address if there is to be a meaningful peace. This, in fact, undermines the chances of negotiations because it's going to continue to discourage Abbas from ever coming to the negotiating table. Yeah, and I guess that, that that's always unclear to people what you because you released a statement to that effect that it would undermine the process. But I, but I guess that's it, right? It's simply put that why, why on earth would he go to the negotiating table if he's getting all he wants from entities around the world this easily? Exactly, and and he he keeps getting additional parts of what he wanted without having to to do anything. And in fact, the Palestinian Authority Parliament. This week, uh, the, the came to the great conclusion that the Jews are not entitled to one inch of the land. Now, I didn't see the president or other people coming down on them and saying that this is unhelpful to the peace process, that this undermines confidence, that this is detrimental. And, you know, they're allowed to get away with all the incitement, all of the declarations. Nobody holds them to account, and I agree it's not equal responsibility to a democratically elected government of Israel. Uh, but the the fact is that Israel continues to move in the direction and on the ground with actions that it takes, and the PA keeps making statements and engaging in actions, recognizing uh, the terrorists who ca- killed uh, Jews, giving them uh, awards. They, they did it again last week, where they visited the families of three who carried out uh, who were in prison for carrying out murderous attacks, and they pay a stipend to them, a monthly stipend. So. Uh, it's it's uh, it, it is a mistake on the part of those who do this and think it's meaningless, or who think that they are helping to contribute towards a peaceful resolution. On the Vatican side, because you've uh, you you've said over the years that it's a different Vatican than it was decades ago vis-a-vis Israel and the Jewish people. Does the action this week uh, change your opinion at all? You know, I don't know who influenced the decision or whether this was the Pope. Obviously, who had to be involved in the final say. So, but. Uh, you know, he has. They have reached out to Jews. They um, 
have constantly, there are meetings in the Vatican between the Pope and uh, leaders of Jewish community, but bottom line, it's the actions that count right. and the message it's sent. Yeah. Uh, you got some good uh, press coverage, by the way, on that very topic this week, that, uh, you know, actions is what matters and the, and the words can only go, you know, to a certain degree. Well, I had the opportunity to speak. I was in Israel, came back yesterday uh, to attend the Global Forum on Anti-Semitism and to speak at, at the major uh, event, and I, I told them that this is a time when people have to take responsibility. That's really the key. We have to look at what our role is. You know, the, the constant announcements of another memorial, another memorial. I told them I don't want any more memorials to dead Jews. I want people to stand up, nations stand up for living Jews and a living Jewish state. And I called for the creation of a, a, a global network on, that would have two parts. One, for physical security for Jews, that would create an international a network with a hotline with uh, information exchanging, exchanges, um, uh, best practices, etc. And the second part that would deal with anti-Semitism per se, who's behind it, how do we act on it, what kind of legal mes- uh, um, uh, methods there are, what kind of legislative initiatives. Because I heard the foreign minister of Germany uh, say some remarkable things, one of which is that they have launched uh, a massive investigation into their actions in the 50s and 60s. And Germany has been more forthcoming than most countries in Europe in addressing their actions and their and uh, the apologies that Merkel again issued uh, this, it, at uh, Bergen-Belsen, I think, uh, just a week ago. But they're taking they uh, brought in academics and others. I think the United States should do it. You know, we brought in Werner von Braun with uh, you know many many uh, people who worked on the. A rocket program uh, in, in the Nazi era were Nazis themselves. Uh, we, we allowed others to come into the United States through the FBI and other uh, cover who, who wanted them for intelligence or other purposes against the communists. But there's no justification in the question of restoration of, of goods, the question of stolen goods, the question of uh, uh, hiding Nazis. All of these issues should be addressed honestly by every country in Europe and every country around the world, Argentina, which took so many Nazis. It's time for real truth, and I thought that that was uh, one of the initiatives in Canada that has taken new initiatives in defining anti-Semitism, making it a crime, uh, declaring boycotts as an act of bigotry and, and discrimination subject to, to law. Uh, we in the United States don't have these measures yet, and I think by globalizing this effort, we can help support those countries that are most under siege. As you know, I was in Argentina just the, the week before, where community is really in reeling from uh, government-inspired, starting from the president herself and the foreign minister and others, uh, this campaign of anti-Semitism, using anti-Semitism, and uh, uh, it goes to the Nisman account and all of the rest. I won't go into all the details, but we see countries under siege, and they need the rest of the Jewish communities to come to their aid, to stand together, and the third part was a global fund for Jewish security. The global uh, initiatives, the two you mentioned, and the fund at the end, I mean, th- those, I would assume you're calling for those to be based in the state of Israel. I think that they have to be global. This can't be just Israel. Israel has to take the first step to bring together in one authority all of the capacity, the foreign ministry, the defense ministry, the intelligence agencies, the, po- the police, the National Security Council, because Israel has assets none of the rest of us have, clearly. None of us can match it. And they have to be central uh, to this effort, not only the information exchange, but 
often in the resolution of problems when Jews have to leave, when Jews have to be rescued, as we saw with Ethiopian Jews and others, it's only Israel that has that capacity as a state. Right. Other countries can play an important role. But I don't believe that it should be just Israel. I think in many countries it will... Uh, it could denigrate the effort or diminish the effort if it's seen just simply as Israel or Israel trying to get Olim. And I have to say Netanyahu was very clear at this conference in, in not saying that, but saying that Israel is open to anybody who wants to leave. So, yes, Israel is central to it, but every country, you know, we have SCAN here and the, the relationship with the FBI, the DHS, the other things. It's not nearly what, what it should be. There should be a far greater investment in this in the United States. And compared to some European countries, we're, we're behind them. In, in the, but our size is so big, the amount of money required is so great. But if we can prevent one terrible incident, all that money will have been worthwhile. Mm -hmm. I mean, the West is always a target of terrorism, for instance, as we know. Right. But now, based on this, on this call to action that you have, we're acknowledging that Jews are a greater threat to terrorism than even you know, Western countries in general are. Absolutely. We are the first target. You know, I, I, I said I'm tired of Jewish canaries in the mine and, and our being the barometers for mankind. Jews are always the first target, but we're never the last. And when the world realizes it, but today we have an inversion that not only are Israel, is Jews the major target, and you look at the number of anti-Semitic incidents in Europe and around the world, including in the United States, our own campuses, uh, but you see that, that Christians are dying by the thousands. And there's a world that's indifferent. Yeah, that's you true. see what's happening at Yazidis, the Baha'is, and all of these other groups, that Muslims even, who, who, who don't agree with the particular power at, at play at the moment. And people, the, the, this entire speech will be online. It was long, but there were other suggestions there as well. Because this is the time. You can't look back afterwards and say, why didn't we do this? And when you have, you know, these foreign uh, governments, the, the, there was a minister of intercultural affairs, I think, from Canada, a Sikh himself, very pro-Israel. And you look what Canada has done in terms of defining anti-Semitism, action, legal action, creating a status saying, we recognize the danger. By the way, that's not law yet in Canada, that it's a hate crime if you're, uh, if you're uh, calling for a boycott of Israel, is it? Well, some of it is law, and some of it, God willing, will be law. Wow. But they are far more advanced, and they had a day in, in, the, in the parliament focusing on this and having special sessions dealing with anti-Semitism and with BDS. That is part of the problem is that BDS, the Boycott Divestment Sanctions Movement, which targets Israel. You don't see one calling for tar, uh, targeting Syria after hundreds of thousands of dead against Iran, against anybody. It's only against Israel. Mm. And I said that is anti-Semitism. And we have to call it for what it is. We, it's a term we have to use carefully because it's a powerful charge. We shouldn't diminish it by using it recklessly. But we have to use it when it is appropriate. And to call out people and to have everyone recognize and communities have to play a greater role in supporting com uh, campuses, people on campus where they're subjected to attacks. Uh, the number of incidents on campuses in the United States, 54% of kids last year in a six-month period said that they had experienced directly knowing anti-Semitism, anti-Semitic incident on a campus in the United States. Yeah, I believe that. Where was this conference? In Jerusalem? Yes. Uh, the attack yesterday in the Gush, uh, again, a you know one of these uh, car rammings, uh, which thank God didn't kill anybody, but there, there are injured boys in that attack. Uh, were the assailants affiliated with any uh, of the well-known terrorist organizations? 
I don't think that they have uh, associated them them yet with a group, but inevitably, uh, in most cases, it's very very rare that they have weren't inspired by somebody, didn't have a connection to something. Uh, it's not a natural action, although it is possible that somebody just decides yeah. to go off on their own. Uh, yeah, the frustration, obviously, that uh, just seems it's so difficult to prevent those types of attacks. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Reminder, Sunday, Yom Yerushalayim. Matis with the special starting at 7 a.m. online. Monday, we celebrate Jerusalem and Hebron. Here at JM in the AM. When you were in Israel, were you informed that at one time there was a ceiling of only 18 ministers allowed in the Israeli cabinet? Well, that was passed. In the... <laughs> <laughs> I think I think when you got there, it was still 18, and when you left, it was up to 20 something. <laughs> up to 20 plus, actually, it's some, and, and then that doesn't count all the deputy ministers uh, that are given out. And uh, of course, the chairman of foreign relations committee is a, is a prime position. That's Achianegbi. Uh, somebody very close to Bibi Gantt, head of the coalition in the Knesset. But, you know, he ran out of positions. The public doesn't like the idea about expanding it. It was passed by the Knesset. They had to pass a law to overcome the law they passed the last time (laughs) (laughs) to raise the number from 18 um, because they feel it's burdensome and it's expensive because everybody gets car and staff, etc. You have a couple ministers without portfolios, so we should buy them portfolios so they won't feel discriminated against. But I'm bummed. And uh, and right and they had to divide some of the ministries. Uh, a creative uh, effort was really engaged in when you look at some of the titles. Uh, but I think the, um, the the process itself is so flawed. And when you have such a narrow majority, just realize uh, that no minister can go out of the country because if two ministers are away or two members of the Knesset in the coalition are away. They could lose a vote. Oh, good point. Government. Good so, point. So you, you, you come down from the 61, all the, the things that were passed regarding the enlarging the cabinet, et cetera, were passed 61 to 59. Right. So if you have people out of the country, so Danny, da- vote, Danny Danone is grounded. He can't, he, can't, he can't travel the globe anymore. There's going to be a lot of dinners without speakers. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So I guess they won't get food in there for maybe no dinner. If that someone if someone promotes sure. enough, if someone promotes enough, Tully Bennett's coming to a dinner here. It means the government's about to fall, <laughs> and, he, and he doesn't so care. Totally true. Wow, I didn't even think of that. And by the way, uh, the prime minister, I, I, tell me if I'm wrong. He retains or becomes foreign minister at this point? Does he hold that portfolio? For right now. Yeah, I mean, basically, right? Is, is he holding it out for for uh, somebody from Yisrael Beitenu to come back? And that would create another cabinet position. Because, right? And, or another cabinet member, I should say. A cabinet member and a member. Oh, the truth. Uh, that, that's how no, he could. He needs to get it up to 65, 67. The problem now. Well, in theory, he could give that to Moshe alone. I mean, could he, can you be Minister of Defense and Foreign Minister at the same time or not? Yeah, you, he wouldn't do that because, anyway, Minister of Defense is too powerful position right. and it's all consuming. Right. That's As true. Prime Minister, he has time to hold other portfolios. Yeah, my point right. being, he could but, give but, it to somebody else who's already in, in office. But the problem is now is that everybody has leverage. Every party, almost every individual could say to him, they don't like what's going on, yeah. we're out. Gillardon, 
still hasn't resolved, as far as I know, the, what what he's going to do. And he got the top; he was a top vote getter, and uh, did not like the positions he was offered. Uh, obviously, want, wanting to get the um, uh, foreign ministry job or something uh, equivalent. Uh, so, if he if he resigns, so somebody else will come in. But the the uh, leverage now that everybody has, every party small party in the, in this coalition uh, is exaggerated by virtue of the thin margin unbelievable unbelievable the international media is starting to catch on to Ayala Chaked did you see the New York Times article I did not see the New York Times article I did see her and uh, <laughs> she may surprise people I mean she's she's very smart and very energetic um, well what would be the surprise what are people expecting no, I think people are putting it down about their competence and her ability ah, to have the job. I right. saw that she came out uh, supporting the role of the, of the Supreme Court, the independence of the court, and the court congratulated her on her selection. Right. So already, you know, one hurdle's overcome. All right, you got to explain this to me. The only purpose of this summit at Camp David was for the president to reassure uh, the Gulf states that uh, you know that 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 he'll be there for them. Even in the even as the uh, negotiations with Iran and the deal with Iran continue to go forward, is that the actual purpose of this summit, or this is an annual summit that always takes place? Um, the, the summit at uh, at Camp David yeah. involved the Gulf Co- Cooperation Council, the meeting the countries from the Gulf, Qatar, et cetera, et cetera. But he called not he, an annual thing. This is very rare. So he called it Dafka because of the situation. He called it because of the loss of confidence in all these countries, because of the negotiations with Iran, because they are going off on their own in, in many different directions and on many issues. The, the uh, new activism of King Salman and their, the coalition that they formed in Yemen, which was not done with the United States. The United States joined it afterwards, but also because of the disaffection that we hear about the discontent. And I think he, he was trying to reassure them on the one level that the United States will not let Iran get a nuclear weapon, but if you notice, the, the language is shifted. I mean, it seems, I think, they're interpreting it as America moving from prevention to containment, right. something that we had heard early on, and it was constantly denied. And the president's remarks, again, saying that they, they won't have it. But more, he talks about protecting them from, from the danger. They, he he uh, wanted to come out of this, I think, with an agreement about cooperation amongst the various countries in the Gulf. And you know that the Qataris and the Saudis don't like each other and hate each other, and there are other tensions amongst some of the countries. But more importantly is that they are looking for an independent course that six of the eight heads of the countries did not come. And, uh, you know, somebody told me, well, at least you got the younger generation there. <laughs> but, but when King Salman doesn't come, it's a message. When the, king, uh, when the uh, ruler of Bahrain is seen with Queen Elizabeth at the horse races or something and didn't come to, to Washington. Right. Only the heads of Kuwait and Qatar came. Uh, the the people came, obviously, were important also in their countries, but it, it is a message. And, you know, symbolism in the Arab world is everything. Correct. And so you have to, number one, look at who came. The meeting, from all the descriptions I've seen, did not seem to accomplish what he wanted. He also, so he wanted to emerge, I think, with a uh, unified approach, let's say, to air defense, other security issues. He is promising American aid, huge sales of weapons to them. And the problem for Israel is that cutting-edge weapons like the F-35 uh, aircraft 
uh, going into the, to the Gulf countries, again, diminishes what by law the president is pledged to maintain, which is the qualitative superiority of Israel. They cannot make, um, match quantitative. Israel can't afford to match the quantities and the, and the amount of weapons, the tens and tens of billions of dollars that the uh, Gulf countries, others, spend on, on uh, weapons acquisition. But the qualitative edge has to be maintained because today things are, are quiet between them. Nobody knows what tomorrow brings. Yeah, but take Saudi Arabia. It's not a country looking for more military aid, right? That's not what they're looking for when they're when they're boycotting or not sending their head, their king, to to this summit with uh, with President Obama. That's a political message. But they are they are purchasing weapons in huge quantities. But look at who they're buying from now. The countries are going to France, which signed tens of billions of dollars in deals, and the Russians. And that is a message. People should not think that this is because they have better stuff than the United States. Nobody has better stuff than the United States. It is a message. And they are saying, look, we will go elsewhere. Because they're, they're disappointed in the role of the United States or because they have differences, they, they are as concerned as Israel, and in some cases maybe more, as they say, uh, about the Iranian deal because they feel that they can't defend themselves. All of them will be nuclear. All of them will go for nuclear weapons. Saudi Arabia will maybe buy it from Pakistan. Others have already begun the process, buying reactors, doing other things, or putting in, in, in process some have signed deals which they can't even afford. They'll never be able to, to conclude these deals because they can't afford the tens of billions of dollars involved. Uh, so it has very broad long-term implications. And, uh, you know, the president pledging ironclad support uh, is meaningful, I think, uh, but but it's a question is translation. When we saw ships again being fired on by yeah. Iran, no consequence. When the Maersk was taken, no consequence. You know how you always tell us that the U.S., the, the, despite whatever's happening in the news, and you know there's still behind the scenes tremendous cooperation with Israel. Could could you address? Someone had this analysis this week that these, that Saudi Arabia is now a closer ally of Israel than the United States. But, and I know that sounds a little silly and far-reaching, but, but could you address what type of cooperation there might be between Saudi Arabia and Israel now because of this current situation? No. Okay. Can, no. can, can, we, assu- all, the, can we assume? It is not true. It is not true. The United States still remains the primary ally and the, and, and the mutual relationship in many, many areas despite Including with the Saudis. The things that go on on a day-to-day basis. I mean, just what I said before. The law is that the United States is pledged and and obligated to maintain Israel's qualitative edge. Right, but that was not my question. My question is, what's the United States' relationship with Saudi Arabia now? Do they have the same type of agreement or understanding? And are they still allies like they were years ago? Uh, Is Saudi Arabia still the same ally with the United States? correct. I would say that the relationship has shifted. And and it's not me saying it. Look at the public right. so, statements by these guys. So now, I, even though you won't give us details, is it possible that Saudi Arabia and Israel are working cooperatively behind the scenes to a degree not seen in many years? I would say that uh, those who know don't say, and those who say don't know, I don't know. I do know a, a little bit that to say that uh, there may be communication. It shouldn't be exaggerated. There isn't, uh, you know, uh, uh, any kind of treaty. But... You know, you have a common enemy, and many of them want the, want Israel to deal with that enemy because they don't believe the West will deal with it, and they feel threatened. And as they say, Israel can defend itself, i.e., having the capacity that they don't have against uh, Iran's actions. And Iran is working constantly to undermine these regimes. Nahum, it's it's 
the, each one of these countries today, Bahrain, faces an Iranian effort to overthrow the regime. Saudi Arabia, the Houthis, in, in, and backed by Iran and Yemen. We just learned about a new group, uh, al-Sabin, that, that Iran fully funds in Gaza, but it's a Shiite terrorist entity, and Hamas tolerates it because they're getting money from Iran uh, to pay for their terrorist uh, or, or uh, military operations uh, organization. The each Iran is a threat to each country individually as much as it is to the region, and the the reaction of these countries is is dictated largely by their own domestic needs and and fears and concerns, but also by by the failure of the West to react and to take the kind of action. So they right. feel that it falls on them to do it independent and sometimes even against what the United States may want. Does the United States care? Um that Saudi Arabia is making public statements that they're going to become nuclear capable. Uh, there are countries that have nuclear capability, and the U.S. you know has has basically you know sat by and uh, didn't seem to have any public problem with it. Does it concern the U.S. if Saudi Arabia goes ahead in that direction? The arms race, the the, the nuclear arms race that will be spun off if this agreement is a bad deal and really allows Iran uh, to to continue on the path towards uh, a nuclear weapon. Uh, will will inevitably set off this kind of an arms race. It concerns everybody because when you have the proliferation of nuclear weapons, number one, it gives the chance that terrorist entities will get access to it. Two, we never know what these governments will look like after a bullet or after you know a revolution, so that they they can fall into the hands of of uh, governments. So remember with Gaddafi, what he finally did to dispense of uh, with his uh, nuclear weapons, uh, but. Even chemicals, uh, chemical weapons now we see in the hands of Syria, how they are used even against the domestic population. So weapons of mass destruction, the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction, has to be a concern to everybody, especially because you have the instability of, of governments today in the region, because you have the rise of terrorist entities often operating from within the governments and therefore having greater access to these weapons. Mm. What do you think? A totally, totally different topic. What do you think of the announcement that uh, uh, that those of the Christian faith are starting their own birthright program to bring their youth to Israel on a regular basis? Well, there have been uh, such trips all along, uh, and but sponsored by individual groups or organized by individual groups. Uh, the uh, now this is an organized program uh, sponsored by the Christian community itself, and I think it's it's a great idea. It's wonderful that. Everybody be exposed to Israel. As you know, we have a program to bring key influentials. We have the stars of the Hispanic novellas, which mm. I guess most of our audience, including me, did not know about. <laughs> but when they walked the streets of Israel, they were mobbed. Are you serious? Mobbed. But I'm telling you everywhere. Why? Because <laughs> it turns out that young Israelis, to learn Spanish, watch these novellas. In addition, of course, you have all the immigrants from Spanish-speaking countries. Right. Novellas are watched worldwide, and the front page of the equivalent of a Spanish TV guide, which is one of the largest worldwide Spanish magazines, had a picture of two of the top stars saying, we fell in love with Israel. Oh, my And in gosh. fact, they have, and it's unbelievable. It was like an explosion of media coverage reaction uh, to the trips, and we, we also, as you know, as I mentioned, we launched this new Hispanic Christian right. leadership alliance with 41,000 churches. Um, the prime minister said to them, I want you to bring a 1,000 Hispanic students to study in Israel for a year. 
That's what he asked him this week when we met with him. Uh, Unbelievable. So Unbelievable. There, there, are, there are so many things. And again, you know, because of all the bad news and all the political silliness, nobody even talks about the, the numbers of Chinese, the exchanges that are going on, the programs in Israel bringing people from, from abroad to study, and the number of students who are there. And there are all sorts of innovative uh, uh, programs that are being introduced that uh, allow for greater participation. When you were in Israel, uh, I assume people are still focused on what's going on with Nepal because Israel continues to lead the humanitarian effort there. So we know there was a subsequent major earthquake, uh, you know, in addition to the one April 24th that shook the country. Is Israel planning on staying involved there on the ground? Uh, well, as you said, uh, the uh, field hospital people came back. They, they were there for an extended period. As you know, the government recognized that per capita Israel had the greatest aid program, and the prime minister m- made an interesting comment. He said that, you know, Iran attacks Israel, and, uh, you know, they, they, in the Iranian press there was accusations that they go there to harvest organs. Right. Uh, and he said, but isn't it interesting that we did not see a field hospital from Iran, a country ten times Israel's size? We didn't see them sending plane loads of, of goods and, and relief. And now another group from Israel went to to. Um, Nepal just the day before yesterday or yesterday and so it is an ongoing program to aid and assist them but you know this the devastation is is incredible and the need is is immense so I think that it will continue for a while and whatever assistance they can provide even in teaching and in helping them in how to deal with such trauma situations it's unbelievable and finally did the humanitarian truce in Yemen uh, serve any purpose well, it certainly hasn't uh, quelled uh, the underlying uh, conflict. Uh, we see the, the Iranians saying that they, if anybody interferes with their bringing, quote, relief aid to Yemen, we know that they're supplying weapons and other things, that uh, they will fire, they're sending, they're testing again the, the coalition, which is demanding that there be inv- uh, ability to to investigate and, and check out the content and saying the United Nations should do it. There isn't, they've imposed an embargo, so they should have the right to, to check it. But Iran fired on, on another ship, and, and, and we see the aggressiveness that is going on, and yet it goes virtually uncommented on. Well, I mean, why isn't there a session in Congress saying, this is outrageous, look what they're doing, this is the message. They're cheating now, they were just caught with another shipment that the Czech Republic exposed. If they're cheating even before the deal is signed, Kavahomer, what are they <laughs> going to do once the deal is, is signed? That's so true. And, and yet, you don't see, I mean, are we so hell-bent on a deal that we're going to overlook everything, which only says this is only a prescription then for a disaster, because they're never going to abide by it. They're not going to abide by it anyway. We know that they're going to cheat not, but if they can get away with all of this, the message to them is just keep pressing ahead. And and uh, you, you saw that the um, the... The IEA says that they want agreement to have access to military sites. They're told they're not going to get it. The deputy chief of staff of the IRGC talks about the divine permission to destroy Israel yesterday. Saudi Arabia is demanding and, and taking the actions in, in Yemen, and you saw that the Iranians then backed off. The, the Houthis, they didn't come in there with troops to back the, the Houthis because they don't want an all-out uh, confrontation. But the most important indicator in the last uh, couple of days was this shipment of nine aircraft to Mahan, which is a blacklisted airline. We, we believe they may have purchased it through an Iraqi airline, 
these are old uh, Virgin Atlantic planes, but they bought nine Airbus passenger planes. They, the 2013 agreement allowed them to buy spare parts. So you see how they already moved to violate the, the agreements and how the sanctions regime could easily collapse. So all this talk about, you know, we could snap back. We could, there's no snap back. The Russians just said it <laughs> clearly that they did not, they're not supporting and they have not committed to, I should say, any kind of snapback if there are, uh, are, are violations. And their actions, and, and importantly, on the Lebanon border and in Golan, we see more, more stirring, but Hezbollah is moving its military infrastructure back into Shiite villages in Lebanon, in southern Lebanon, along near the Israeli border, creating, again, a human shield situation, creating a, a new circumstance, one that Israel faced in the past there, but they took them out because the people demanded it. Now you see that that the that Hezbollah is again imposing this on the on the people in the region. So we have to look at the many other fronts. You know, people get diverted by the question of uh, which minister got which thing. <laughs> I'm serious. There's so much energy, and you know, people ask me all the time about this. And I tell me, you gotta keep your eye on the on the big picture. The international criminal court prosecutors demanding papers and explanations, and and hasn't determined yet to bring the case against Israel. And by the way, does Israel plan on cooperating at all with that? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think that there is an answer yet. I think that they are examining it. They 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 uh, they, they did participate for the first time in the NPT, the Non-Proliferation Treaty uh, sessions. Um, and of course, the Arabs were demanding that Israel become a member, be a signatory, expose all the information about their nuclear program. Uh, now they're saying, "Well, we didn't mean this to attack Israel, but yeah. it's been a long-standing thing, and it's Egypt that always takes the lead in this regard." Um, so, the, uh, whatever you ask me, the answer is no. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. The answer is not no. You, you said, oh, yes. we, you, said we you said we don't know yet if Israel's <laughs> going to cooperate. You no, we don't. We don't know. We yet. don't know yet. Malcolm, we're way over time as usual, but take a minute. Tomorrow night's Yom Yerushalayim. Especially to the younger people out there who may not know a Jerusalem that uh, that at one point did not have massive hotels and delicious restaurants in every corner, could you say something about what happened uh, at Yom Yerushalayim, nineteen sixty-seven? I only wish that young people could be exposed to the to the meaningfulness and the the depth of emotion and feeling and people appreciating what it meant. Today we take it for granted. And Yerushalayim, which is so central to us, more than 700 times in the Tanakh, and never in mention of the Quran. But look at the dedication that the Arabs and Palestinian groups express, even though it, I don't believe it's sincere, I think it's, it's politically motivated, but look at how hard they fight, how they rally if somebody says Al-Aqsa is under siege, and they use that as a rallying point. Why isn't... Yerushalayim, a rallying point for all of us, and I want to salute the committee, and they have a meeting on Sunday uh, here in Flatbush about Harazetim, that here, this sacred place, the 150,000 Jews buried there, and yet Jews can't go there, that they that it's under constant attack, and there's been progress, and we have commitments from the new government, to, to and three of the parties put it in their coalition agreements, and that's thanks to the Lubinsky brothers led the effort of the International Commission, which I'm proud to be part, and uh, Rabbi Leap and others who will be participating on um, on Sunday. That it's a message we have to take Yerushalayim back to us. We have to bring it into the hearts of of kids, 
and and to think about what is the significance of Yerushalayim. You mentioned it in Tefillah so many times every day, but we don't take it seriously. And and could it be in jeopardy? Absolutely. But the the Islamists, the, the dedication, the depth of commitment that they hold conferences and other things, always to claim all of the Jewish holy sites and to proclaim our lack of roots there. We have to educate our young again to appreciate what Yerushalayim is, to walk the streets and say what a great job we've done here. doesn't do anything. First of all, it's not we who did it. And second of all, to understand the historical significance of Yerushalayim, its centrality since Melach Sholem, that Avram Avinu, the king of Sholem, met uh, Abraham, till now, it has been the central thing. And, and Yerushalayim, is, Zion, Zion is the heart of Yerushalayim. People have to not take it for granted. I, I just question how many places have events to mark Yom Yerushalayim. After all the tremendous discoveries that we discuss only a small number of them, every one of them showing the historical truth, the depth of Jewish connection, the realities that so many try to deny about the things that, that Tanakh teaches us about Yerushalayim. And people take it for granted or are not even interested. Yeah, no question. Uh, with that in mind, a uh, Chag Sameach, enjoy Yom Yerushalayim. And uh, again, a reminder, everybody, May 31st, circle your calendar. We'll talk more about it next week and the week after, of course. And uh, let us hope that, in fact, people realize that the future of the Jewish people is, in fact, in Jerusalem and the state of Israel. Malcolm, have a wonderful Shabbos. Thanks for joining us. Friday morning broadcast. It's JM and the AM on this Arab Shabbos. Parshas Bahar and Bechukosai in Israel. Speaking of Israel, only Parshas Bechukosai will both close out the book of uh, Vayikra this Shabbos. Candle lighting 746. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Tuesday. Again, a reminder, Yom Yerushalayim with Matis on Sunday. Yom Yerushalayim, Yom Chevron celebration on Monday with us here in the studio, myself and Mayor Weingarten. Uh, make sure to be tuned in to jmnam.org on the NSN app, uh, here on the radio Monday morning, of course, and enjoy all the incredible programming for these very special days. This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good Torah portions of the week. <laughs> Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading the two parshios of Bahar and Buchu Kosai. This Shabbos we catch up with Eretz Yisrael, who are reading just one, namely Buchu Kosai. Next week, the Shabbos before Shavuos, we all together read Parshas Bamidbar. Now, according to the Chinuch, these parashios, Bahar has seven positive and mitzvos and 17 restrictions. Bechukosai has seven positive and five restrictions for a sum total of 36 mitzvos between these two parashios. There is a strong common thread between Bahar and Bukhukosai, and that is the mitzvah of Shemitah, which is the sabbatical year, the year that this year is a Shemitah year, where the Torah tells us that the Jewish farmers in the land of Israel are not to work the land in the Shemitah year. And that's found at the beginning of Parshas Bahar and in Bichu Kosai, the Torah, which gives us the Tochacha, the list of curses that unfortunately will 
occur to the Jewish people if and when they don't follow Jewish law. So the Torah tells us, ouch, in chapter 26, Pasuk 34, Then the land will be appeased by its Shabbos, by its Shemitos, all the days of its desolation, namely, that which you did not, as found in the next Pasuk, give the land its due, the land, to quote Rav Aaron Salavechik, Zechor Lavracha, willy-nilly, one way or another, it will get its due. This is such a powerful idea. Just as the land itself, when towards the end of the Tochacha, God says, V'zocharti, I'll remember my covenant with Yaakov, my covenant with Yitzchak, my covenant with Avraham, and the Oretz Eskor, I'll remember the land. The land of Israel is not just, quote, the homeland of the Jew. It is such an integral part in the very bris, in the very covenant and relationship between God and the Jewish people. And so, I'd like to first talk a little bit, especially since this year is a Shemitah year. The Torah doesn't give us exactly what the reasons are for Shemitah, but some we can actually see from the surface, and others the rabbis tell us very powerfully between the lines. So the Rambam, Maimonides, in his Morin Vuchim, in his Guide for the Perplexed, in Book 3, Chapter 39, tells us two primary purposes for Shemitah. Number one, as we find in Parshas Mishpatim, V'ochlu evyonei amecha, amazing, that sign that you're permitted to have on your field the first six years, which says no trespassing. After all, it is your land. That sign comes down. And the Torah says, V'ochlu evyonei amecha, literally, and the poor of your nation shall eat. In other words, no one is born a nice guy. We are made into nice people. We are taught to be nice people. And how are we taught? The Torah teaches us to be a nice person by literally allowing the poor of our people to come and eat from our land. This concept and principle of generosity is one that is inculcated as part of our nature. That's number one that the Rambam mentions. And second of all, a practical thing, namely that the earth, in order that it should be more fertile, so we allow it to lay fallow. But that in of itself is something that you must stop and say, while most of us listening are not farmers, we can appreciate crop rotation. The farmer works the land a year or two, and then rests, gives the land a year of rest, and resumes to so do. I don't believe there's any other system in the world whereby you're going to work six straight and rest on the seventh. And not only that, the produce of the sixth is going to be 
incredibly more than in other years, because it's got to keep you going, given that you're not going to plant in the seventh. It's got to continue to yield for that which you plant in the sixth for the seventh, and it's got to go already into the eighth, because after all, you're not planting until the eighth year, so it's going to go for three years. It's amazing how you're going to see literally the hand of God. The Chinuch in Mitzvah 84, in Parshas Mishpatim, where the Torah mentions Shemitah the first time, so the first thing he speaks about is, number one, this quality of Vatronut, this quality of training the person to give. Now listen carefully. In Parshas Re'eh, where the Torah speaks about the mitzvah of Tzedakah, so there the Torah as much as says, Ki because you're going to do this, you're going to be charitable, you're going to give the next one, Yivarechacha, God's going to bless you. He might not bless you today, tomorrow, but based on the word Beglal, the rabbis understand the word Glal as a Galgal, as a wheel, that there is a wheel of fortune in this world. Namely, today you give, and we hope not, but should a member of your family, a grandchild, a great-grandchild, in the future, because the wheel of fortune is constantly moving, Today one is on top, and the next day a person could be someplace very different. So God as much as says, you give now and biglau. But in Shemitah, listen carefully now, you are giving, and to quote the Chinuch, Adam no sein belitik elagmol, without any concept of recompense, getting this back. Again, Shemitah transforms our nature, our character, our personality. In addition, says the Chinuch, that the Torah is teaching us that the land that grows the produce for us, one should realize that the land produces not by its own power, but rather there's a master over the land, and there's a master over its owner. Kili ha'aretz. That's the essence of Parshas Paharim B'chukosai. The land belongs to God. And that's why shortly thereafter you find laws of proper business ethic. I can't overcharge somebody. And if I do, in accordance with Jewish law, the sale is going to be batel. It's going to be nullified. Because there is someone who is ultimately watching the store, because ultimately the store is his. In addition, continues the Chinuch, Yosifu Adam Bitochon B'Shem Yisbarach. A person, as a result of the Shemitah year, gains greater belief in God. Because ultimately God is saying, you don't conduct yourself in the seventh year as normally you would. And as the Torah says, and if you're going to ask, my goodness, how is the economy going to continue? How am I going to support my family? So God makes a promise that no other religion, no other Bible in the world could ever have. You want to know why? Because no other God, there is no other God that controls the world that could say this. God says, you do yours, and the tzivisi es b'chasi lochem. 
again. I will literally command the blessing, because ultimately I am in charge. And finally, the Chinuch continues and says this very important concept that God is the Creator. And we have this on a weekly basis, every Shabbos. Similarly, the seventh year is that strong reminder to us, work the land for six years, and let it lay fallow on the next. And the Eben Ezra takes this one step beyond, and therefore says as follows. Now imagine, we know the term a year sabbatical for professors in a university. But unbelievable, not only we had it first, but we had the concept of a year sabbatical for a farmer. Do you know what this is? Think about it for a second. Generally speaking, there is an educated class of people, and the rest of the people are workers. Unbelievable! The Torah says that each and every Jewish farmer, in the seventh year, what is he to do? Says the Ebenezer, what do you mean? It's a year of Shabbos Ha'ores. And just as the Shabbos day is to be a day that the Jew connects personally with God, and he studies Torah on a much more advanced, relaxed way that he can't do during the week, so too the farmer has a year of sabbatical. He becomes a year of a kolel member. Amazing! This is something which is so unique to Am Yisrael. And finally, Rav Cook takes this and says, Wow! And anybody who has spent a Shabbos in Eretz Yisrael knows in those many, many communities that literally are closed for Shabbos and it's only an emergency vehicle that you'll only see on a Shabbos and you can feel the Shabbos just like you can feel the Shabbos every seventh day. Here the entire nation can feel and experience the Shabbos of every seventh year. An amazing kind of character. I just want to perhaps tell you, speak to your friends in Israel. Speak to your family in Israel. And you're going to see how exciting shopping is in Israel during the Shemitah year, and especially now, as the year is advancing. I don't have time to go into all the different aspects, but just know, and someday, please God, Shemitah will unite all Jews. But understand that there is a concept called Otzer Bezdin, whereby the Jewish farmer by himself is not permitted to work his land as he usually does. So what is done is a kind of literally corporation, whereby the court has all the farmers not conducting business as usual. They become employees, they become workers of the court. And they're salaried, and they're paid a certain amount per hour, period, regardless of how much they're going to be producing. And the the court literally oversees the distribution, and therefore the people... The, who are the consumers, are paying for the workers who are harvesting and for the workers who are um, bringing it to market. The idea behind this is that when the Torah prohibits working in 
the seventh year, the Torah is doing so because the prohibition is to show your ownership of the land. That's the key idea. And when the land is not owned by any one individual. This is an amazing manner. And you should know that the produce of Eretz Yisrael is holy. According to the Ramban, you actually make a bracha of Alachilas Pero Shviyas. Now, we don't make that bracha today, but amazing, the privilege of eating. And you should know, you'll speak to your friends and family in Israel. In your kitchen, forgive me, you have one garbage pail. I don't want to call it a garbage pail, but a pail that you're going to put any and all leftovers. Your cucumbers, which are Shviyas, and your potatoes, which are Shviyas. So your peels, you're not going to just throw in the regular garbage, because all of this has a sanctity. You will discard it, but you're going to discard it in a, a special receptacle. I have to tell you, as a child, my mom, Alel Shalom, would say, come on, children, be members of the Clean Plate Club. Who had it first? Shemitah had it first, because you can't waste it. You have to finish all your chicken soup if there are carrots of Shemitah that were literally cooked into that soup. The whole soup is now considered a, a Kedushas Shavias, and therefore you've got to finish it. It's good to quote, we added first the last drop. Anything which is left over is put in a plastic bag, and it is put in that special receptacle, and eventually it will be thrown out. Amazing! This is what is going on on a regular basis with families, Baruch Hashem, keeping Shemitah, living in Eretz Yisrael, and we who are outside of Eretz Yisrael, really there should be a krechts, that oy, unfortunately we don't have it, and others are buying from out, from, excuse me, from hothouses, and literally from greenhouses. There are those that rely upon the heter mechira, there are those that are purchasing from non-Jews, for importing, but just to understand why am I doing, what I'm doing, etc., is making this year a very exciting one. I just wish to close with a very important concept, that this reminds us how dependent we are. Man can let all his success go to his head, and therefore, Rabbi Yeruchim writes in this parsha how the idea is that God made man needy, while ashore, an animal, ben yomo, on the day that it is born, has its complete intellectual capacity. Man has to, he's born completely underdeveloped. He's born needy. He has to work and develop himself to perfect himself. Why? To recognize throughout his life how needy he is, that ultimately he could and should accept God on a very regular basis. It should be Baruch Hashem Yom Yom. And this is what Shemitah reminds us of, that there is a God who's in control. He's control of the field. He's controlled over my store and over my money. Shmitas Ksafim, an amazing, exciting two parshios of that of Bahar and Bechukosai. This is Shabbos Chazak. Good Shabbos and Chazak to all. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Leviathan. Boib Shalom. Jam and AM Friday morning, day 41 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Baharim Bechukosai. Candlelighting at 746 on this Erev Shabbos. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Sundays are Yom Yerushalayim special on JM Sunday with Matis on jmnam.org. Make sure to be tuned in starting at 7 a.m. Monday we'll celebrate both uh, Yom Yerushalayim and uh, Yom Chevron. Monday, Mayor Weingarten will be here. We'll be joined by Rabbi Yosef Tzvi Rimon from Israel. Very much looking forward to that. Naomi Nachman is coming up next. jmnam.org. She has a brand new edition of A Table for Two. And uh, this week she'll speak with Carol Unger, who wrote the cookbook Jewish Soul Food, or by Shlomo Zagui from the Kind Kitchen in Palm Beach, Florida, and a fabulous cheese tasting with Bridget Mizrahi of Sincerely Bridget Cheese Company. So that's all happening with Naomi between 9 and 10. Then our uh, Kedem presentation of uh, the incredible Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time. It's all happening on jamnam.org. Use the NSN app. You can comment on the app whenever you wish. Oh, yes. Um, JM in the AM. With 55 degrees, partly cloudy, and a high temperature of 75, this is a selection from Cole Zimra at JM in the AM. Sacred Shabbos, Journeys, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM.
special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well into the night. So throw away your hammer, there's nothing left to do. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmdm.org. Don't forget, amazing programming all weekend long, including JM Sunday with Matis with the Big Yom Yushalayim special, and of course... Monday, we celebrate Jerusalem and Hebron. Make sure to be with us on Monday morning right here at JMNAM. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Naomi Nachman is next on JMNAM.org with Table for Two. Till next time, Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.